Ladies and gentlemen, we'll begin our final descent. As we prepare for landing, please make sure your seatbelt is fastened and your seat back and tray tables are stowed. Also this time, please put away all carry-on items, including laptop and devices of similar size for landing. landing. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to enter Culturama with Diva. Hello, Culturama listeners, and welcome to this exciting episode of Culturama with Diva, where simplicity is the best thing. I'm your host, Princess Tia, and this program is brought to you by Inner Sanctum Entertainment, LTV, and Caribbean Professionals, LLC. If you need instrumentals, recording, mixing, or mastering, maybe a music video, photo shoot, or graphic designing, need bouncy castles, face painting, popcorn, cotton candy, or characters for the kids, want to do online or offline promotion, maybe both, let's print your t-shirts and everything else. Here at Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited, we got you covered. Reach us on FB and Instagram at Inner Sanctum Entertainment LTD, YouTube at Inner Sanctum Entertainment, and Twitter at iSanctum Studios. Or call us at 1 8384123. That's 1 8683384123. So we are on the second leg of our Inspirational Reason Authors book promotion. And my guest today is Bonnie Green. Hi, Bonnie. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to the program. Thank you. All right. So, you know, I was going through again um, before I sent you the email of the questions. And I read that you homeschooled seven children am i right is it your yes, children yes. or grandchildren my children yes seven children and the last um in the last show when we when we interviewed sandy she homeschooled well three out of five of her grandchildren but tell us who is bonnie and tell us about this homeschool life that you did well i'm Bonnie Green. I was raised in the Midwestern states. My dad was a pastor, not a farmer, but pastored in farm country. So I had a lot of neat experiences that way. But we moved to Maine um, after my past. My husband took a church and became pastor here. And our daughter was ready to start kindergarten. Our oldest daughter. There was no Christian school close, and. Homeschooling was just beginning in those days. Didn't know much about it, but the Lord led us to do that. We had a lot of really neat experiences because we homeschooled. We were flexible. Um, One of the things I didn't like growing up in a pastor's home was we'd have missionaries spend the night and stay with us, and I had to leave and go to school the next day. I couldn't stay around and get to see them longer. And my kids had that privilege of being able to spend time with the missionaries, with other family guests that came for a visit, um, a lot of flexibility. We were able to do other ministry opportunities because we homeschooled. And I got to have one-on-one contact with each of them almost all day long. And yes, it's a lot of work, but we have 
some very close relationships with my children because we had all that time together. So tell us about that homeschooling life of seven children. We started, like I said, with one, with a, she was second grade then. She'd had kindergarten, first grade in a Christian school. I was wrong. She was starting second grade. I had a toddler and two toddlers, two little boys, and was expecting our fourth. Um, so a lot of it was just, you know, you don't have to spend all day long. When you're homeschooling one child, you don't have to wait till the whole classroom gets settled and is sitting still before you can give the instructions. As soon as your child understands the instructions, you can go to it. You don't have to take a lot of extra time doing it. And as time went on, then we went to a, a video curriculum, especially when my one of my sons was starting algebra and I knew I could go back and refresh and relearn and teach it to him myself, or I could let him watch a video and I could just assist when he needed it. <laughs> that was the thing that got us videos. And by that time we had most seven of the children, seven children. And so they were in different rooms, watching different TVs, little videos. And I still, especially with the youngest ones, I wanted to make sure they really learned to read, not just sat there and listened to a teacher read to them. So I would do the reading myself. There were several classes I taught myself because I wanted to make sure they were catching it before we went on. So it was a busy life, but a lot of blessings because of it. Wow. And I can see um, based on your books here that you have written, in which we're going to get to now. Um, so tell me, Bonnie, when did you first realize that you wanted to become a writer? I was in my 40s when my mom first told me that I should write. She thought my Christmas letters were really interesting. But it was a little bit later on in an activity with some friends where some of the lady friends were just quite discouraged. I did what I could to help them, but on the way home, I... I prayed and I said, God, what can I do? We live on opposite sides of the state of Maine. You know, we can't just get together for a cup of tea and a visit. And he impressed upon me that day to write in emails some of the lessons he had taught me as I raised our seven children. Well, that weekly email was well received. It grew. They shared with their friends. I really have no idea how far it went. I would get replies back from people that I didn't know anything about. So I found that I enjoyed writing, and now those devotionals are being published in book form. How long does it take you to write a devotional, and are the, and are you self-published? Well, any writer knows that when the writing urge hits, so when the words are coming, you sit down and write. Often, I'll get out of bed to do that because I know that the way I just thought of how to say that I'm not going to remember it in the morning, so I get up. Usually, when I get a really good idea like that, and the Lord connects something in my mind, it'll take maybe 30 to 45 minutes to write it out. But I have a file on my computer of ideas from years and years ago that are just sitting there waiting for me to go over them again, for the Lord to connect that experience from my life to a Bible verse or a principle that God teaches and then write it out. So it can be, it's been years for some of them from the first idea to actually get them out. But once once it clicks, it's about 30 to 45 minutes for it to 
when you're writing these books, what, what's one of the most surprising things that you have learned or discovered or research research when writing these books? I am surprised at how much satisfaction I get out of writing. Um, I didn't enjoy it in school. It wasn't something I ever imagined I would do. And it also surprises me at how much God has used me in the lives of my friends when I shared what he had taught me. Do you have any ideas or suggestions to advise, inspire writers to become better writers? I would say read the style that you want to write. And at, at first I avoided that. I thought, I don't want to copy other people. I want to, I don't want to be copying. I want to do mine. And then a friend who was a, a writer gave me some books in, in that it said, read the style that you want to write because that's what will inspire you to write that way. And I went back and looked and the first book that I really loved this way was Musings of a Mother by Doris Coffins Aldridge, which was life experiences of a pastor's wife, mom of many like myself and the spiritual lessons that she learned from them. And that was a book, just a little book from Moody Press that I read several times as a young mom. And I can probably say now that's one of the main things that inspired me to look at these daily happenings with my children and let the Lord say, um, mom, are you paying attention? You know, there's a lesson here that you could learn. And so that's, that's really what I would say is read the style that you want to write because it will inspire you to do that. Are you trying to build a connection between each book or do you want each book to stand on its, stand on its own? Do you want readers to uh, get a different point of view, a, a different lesson learned? What do you want them, what do you want readers to get when they close the book? When they close the book, I want them to be able to maybe identify with something that I've gone through and then to look at what God taught me and what God could teach them. Be able to look at their own life and just be open to what God's trying to say. Now each book is able to stand on its own. The only thing that ties them all together is it's still my family we're talking about most of the time. They are titled 101 Verses and Vistas from Bonnie. The next book is 102 Verses and Vistas from Bonnie. The next one will be 103. And my children's pictures are on the front cover and I have seven children. So they tell me that I need seven books so that they each have a turn to be on the cover of a book. That's awesome. And we're going to be doing 101. And I find a lot of lessons in that book, especially balancing your time. Are you listening to your children? Are you learning? Are you, you know, stop complaining. Um, mm -hmm. And as such, I really had to re-look at my questions before I send them off to Bonnie because your book, it's connecting to some other authors' books. So let me ask you, what period of your life um, do you find writing the most? Teenager, childhood, adulthood? Tell us about that. I'm surprised at how many sweet memories I have from my childhood that I remember, that I connect things with. But I would say I write most about my young adult years because those seven children gave me a lot of writing material in those years. Just a reminder, folks, I'm speaking with the beautiful Vonnie Green, and this program is brought to you by Inner Sanctum Entertainment, LTV, and Caribbean Professionals, LLC.
This is Caribbean Professionals LLC, where simplicity is the best thing. We provide a wide range of services including audio editing, website building and maintenance, music production, just to name a few. Are you an entrepreneur or music producer or tired of office management handling? Let us take care of it for you. That's right, you heard me. We provide virtual assistant services to take care of your office management needs. We also offer a wide range of courses such as podcast training, public speaking, and entrepreneurship consultation for small, medium, and large enterprises. So come, let us take your brand and put it into the world's hands. Our team is ready to serve you in true Caribbean style. Yes, come and talk with us. We are Caribbean Professionals LLC, where simplicity is the best thing. So now we're going to the meat of the matter. We're going to the book. And I, 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 again, I just had to put myself in these kids' shoes and, you know, create some life lessons of my own because I love reading. So I've picked out various passages from the book, various topics that that I find appealing to me. And the first one I want to ask you is, Bonnie, give us a brief summary about number one, the five little disciples. Our family was at a week of family Bible camp, and it was exciting to me to hear other ladies tell of the Bible studies that they were holding with their friends. What a joy it was to tell them how they could trust Jesus Christ as their Savior and grow to be more like Christ. And I sighed because I had five little children. One was sitting on my lap as I heard these ladies speak, and I didn't have a lot of time. I didn't have freedom to just leave the house or have ladies in and do these Bible studies. Then I looked down the row at my five little ones and I realized God gave me an opportunity 24-7 to tell these children about my Savior, to lead them to trust Him as their Savior. And I bet tears came to my eyes as I thanked God for that privilege of daily having five that I could teach about Christ. Awesome. Going back to the homeschool a bit, because honestly, I find in schools, Bonnie, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, that nowadays, you know, the teachers or, or just the students are not really in tuned or they're clueless about religion and, and, and who, you know, God is. Mm-hmm. And uh, as such, I, I really just had to ask you this question about the Bible to the disciples and how does it relate to your family? So, number two, Am I hearing doubles, the positive side? No, there's a there's a part three. Am I hearing doubles, the negative side? But I want to focus on the positive side. So let me ask you, when did you choose your faith? And did your kids have any misconceptions about faith? Well, I grew up in a Christian home. Both of my parents had accepted Christ as their Savior, and they taught me faithfully about Christ in the Bible. When I was 10 years old, I realized I needed to make that choice for myself. I confessed to God that I was a sinner. I knew I'd never get to heaven without him. And I accepted the fact that Jesus' death on the cross was payment for my sin. 
And as far as my kids' misconceptions, we all, especially as kids, have misconceptions about things. But I had that privilege of being there all the time and being able to answer those questions as they came. And I really felt, you mentioned the, the public schools and how kids aren't in tune and mentioned here how oftentimes they get the wrong impression True. In, in a school. I felt like as busy as I was as a homeschooler, I was saving time because I didn't have to train my children, retrain my children every afternoon when they came home. True. What? <laughs> I, I knew what they'd been taught. I knew that's what I believed. And especially as six or seven of them were all in school at the same time, I didn't have to send my feelers out every afternoon when they came home. Okay, what came up today? And how do we need <laughs> to come back? So it was, it was a time saver in that way. Yes. So we're going to go all the way up, folks. Number 22, in all of God's glory. So God gave you a ministry and a nursing home. Tell us how the kids got involved and tell us about this tremendous opportunity. Okay. It wasn't our nursing home. It was the one in town. My husband, as pastor, was asked to go do a Bible study with the residents. And I think it was week two, maybe week three, where they got moved from a little office out to the big day room because there was too many that wanted to come to fit in that little office. So because we homeschooled, our schedule was flexible. And in those first years, well, there's for some years, it was 10 o'clock in the morning. Some years, I think we went at two o'clock in the afternoon. But we would all go to the nursing home for Bible study. I played the piano or the organ that they had for their song time. Our children would sing a couple Sunday school choruses, which we admit was probably the only reason some residents came. They wanted to see the cute little kids. Um, I remember one little guy was in a walker. When they're when they're elderly in the nursing home, you don't necessarily trust your wiggly 18-month-old to sit on someone's lap. You know, they they just aren't strong enough to hold them. So we we put him in the walker, and they walk around the room while my husband was preaching and I was playing the organ or whatever. And I remember especially one lady laying in one of those recliner chairs. They'd wheel her in. She'd never talk. She'd never say a thing. And I walked in with my brand new baby and laid my baby in her arms and said, would you like to hold my baby? And she started talking. She said, oh, what a kind of baby. And she just... And it just opened doors for our children to be there. Um, when the boys got bigger, they would help push the wheelchairs back to their bedrooms. And as teenagers, most of our children had their first outside job as a helper, as a the high school maintenance man, or most of them were um, the activities aide. They'd go down and play Beano with them or something. And so the nursing home ended up being a big part of our lives. And in a small town, almost everybody in town has some relative that's in the nursing home. We had a lot of connections with, you know, great grandchildren or somebody from the nursing home. They'd come in or when they needed help, they knew we had been at the nursing home helping their grandma. And they would wow. come to us for help. Oh my God. At least you're teaching, you're teaching them the importance of community service and oh, yes. the importance of, you know, how life is, how do people operate on, on a daily basis. So mm -hmm. I'm really happy that 
oh my god i'm homeschooling my kids <laughs> if i don't have any but we're going to go on to number 59 don't forget the fire truck <laughs> okay you know everything we do every project we have to put god at the forefront and i like how you put this topic don't forget the fire truck tell us how this is important in our daily lives schools work family life everything my story came from my college years my dad pastored a small church in central south dakota and of course the fire department there is all volunteer status there was one day there's a small prairie fire starting outside of town all the firemen farmers heard the call on their truck radios and rushed to the fire scene but nobody thought to stop in town and get the fire truck so they all got there and oh we don't have the fire truck with the water on it thankfully it wasn't too far away the fire was not that bad and someone ran and got the truck but so many times we get started in our day i love to multitask i get the washer going i get the, you know different things going all at the same time and then realize i haven't stopped i haven't taken time to let god teach me through his word yet i haven't spent time praying to him yet and it's really just like going to the fire without the fire truck and the last one for me that that stood out for me is number 99 a year round complaining you know everybody complains about everything the weather room the temperature food shelter clothing okay i must i complain about food but um i realized and while i was rereading this passage you mentioned that you know we're not to complain even about the weather that's around us we must just give thanks in everything that we do and everything god does for us tell us about that I finally decided one year that it really wasn't right for me to complain about the cold in the winter and then complain about the hot in the summer. Didn't make sense. So somehow I thought I was doing good by deciding I'm only going to complain about the cold. I'm not going to complain about the hot in the summer. I'm not sure why I thought it was okay to do that. And then when <laughs> then we had a very mild winter. And I wasn't complaining about the cold and I thought what am I going to do this summer? And the Lord said, "Bonnie, you shouldn't be complaining at all." And so this is really vital to our Christian life. Can we honestly think that we're in the right when we complain on how an all-knowing, all-loving, all-seeing God runs our lives? Yes, we make plans, but God knows he's the only one that knows what's really best for our lives and what's best for the lives of those that our life has an effect on. So that's why I'm I'm learning, still learning that a life of submission is so important. Once we learn to accept what he allows in our life, that's when we really have true joy and a joy that we never had while we were complaining. You want to say hi to anybody out there in the world, Bonnie? I would say hi to my friend Sandy Rebert, who is one of my encouragers in writing. Wow, hey Sandy. And she has a part two and a part three and a part four. Bonnie has a part two, which I can't wait to do um, with her second book. And it's really giving me a memory lane feeling. So guys, with that being said, life is a journey. Live good, love God. One love, one heart. 
let's get together and feel good. See you soon. Hello, I'm Sydney Thorpe. Sydney Sizer is here to help you meet your audio recording needs. Call or WhatsApp 876-281-2801 or you can email me at sidnesizer at gmail.com or sidnesizer at outlook.com or you can Skype me using Sydney Sizer as my Skype name. Sydney Sizer We can talk. Sydney Sizer where we love to make good things happen.